welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and discuss it in depth. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at For the Record Podcast, all one word, dot com. This week we're talking about a band called Great Grandpa and their second album, Four of Arrows. It starts out with a song called Dark Green Water. is a band that used to be from Seattle but has undergone a lot of changes both in their makeup and their sound from their first album two of the members who are a married couple moved to Milwaukee and so they've they wrote this album sort of remotely recorded it all together but different people writing different songs and so it gives a, the album a very different sound yeah there's a lot of diversity here and I think even on this first song you start to feel these huge tensions in the way the songs are structured where there's this very I wouldn't call it Americana but I think the twangy voice of their lead singer who is Alex Menet I think is the pronunciation of that name and I, I actually tried to look it up before we did the podcast and I couldn't find anything that told me how it was pronounced but so, it's M-E-N-N-E yeah so let's just avoid saying her last name from here on out <laughs> And but that it's very twangy. And so there's this kind of very earthy, almost country vibe to it. But then the way the songs open up and there's it gets very loud, it gets very noisy. And we I think we even hear a little bit of that instrumental after that first chorus where there's kind of weird ambient noise. Um, and then later, even where sort of traditional instruments are used, there's some there's this bridge which features strings, but they're very spooky. And then like dogs are barking or something, and so they they are embracing a lot of different sounds. And it's a very naturalistic sound. Certainly so. I think with with one or two rare exceptions, which we'll get to, uh, it does yeah it does feel very earthy, but in a in a way that still feels elevated. And I think. Uh, with this very first song, there's an attempt, I think, to get at, find, you know, there's this trying to find wisdom and like, oh, I, I learned these things from my parents and I'm trying to find ways to forgive people even as I'm coming to accept that everything ends and everything just kind of fades and runs into this dark green water. And that's both, I, I can't tell if it's wholesome or kind of scary or gross or all of those things combined. It, there's a lot to it and a lot for us to project whatever's in our heads onto it. <laughs> so I would say that when I said there was kind of a little bit of a country vibe, I think that's a, a, probably a lot more explicit in this next track we'll play, which I think was the first single from the album. It's called Digger. Digger. <laughs> 
it's always fun to have my memories uh, betray me because I think something about, again, the twang in her voice seduces me. And I think of this as being this kind of down home song about all, oh, even just the word digger just feels like earthy. And yet this song may barely start with that. And there's a little bit of kind of twangy steel guitar vibe to it. But from the very start, there's this kind of spooky synth note over the top of it. And it then, and it ends in this like classic rock arena rock guitar jam. So I, I, again, I, I, my memory deceived me. There's so much more to these songs than can fit. I think sometimes. Yeah. And, and I feel like this is the standout song on the record. It's just so mysterious and full of energy. And I always love the sort of grungy nineties rock feel that, that, goes throughout it and then her voice really reminds me of Dolores Reardon of the Cranberries just she has such a powerful emotive voice and it's one of the interesting things about this record is that they all write lyrics but she's able because they're such good friends and really understand each other that the singer is able to convey sort of the emotion of these stories often which are written based on experiences that are not her own and it really speaks to their relationship as a as a band that they all write the songs together and that or write, they start with ideas individually kind of write the songs together and she projects them yeah and i think yeah the lyrically this song is also so strong and i think drives home one of the things that it's i think common on a number of these songs and certainly I didn't mention on the first track but it's that there's so little repetition in the lyrics like even here I feel like it comes in with what I think of as the chorus of the digger. But then every time that comes up, it's with completely different lyrics. Mm -hmm. And even then that refrain, which I think just coming into this, you said you thought of that as the chorus of that's why I hate you. But then the second time that it appears, it's that's why I love you. So Mm -hmm. even the simple things are do change. And it's this, I guess the close, again, the closest thing to a title track because it's talking about tarot cards Mm -hmm. and talking about the body surrounded by the arrows, which is the album cover here. Yeah. So the name of the record is taken from an alternative tarot card deck that has arrows as one of the categories. And it's the four of arrows, which is the card of like rest and healing and has a photo, an image of someone laying face down on the ground surrounded by the four arrows. And Pat Goodwin, who wrote this song, who's one of the, the members of the couple said he was kind of stuck on writing the song and then he drew that card from the deck and that helped inspire him to write the rest. Which is funny because it seems in such a way like this entire song about fighting against fate, about refusing to accept that sometimes the universe is capricious. Yeah, I think if there's a theme to this record, it's about fate and time passing and the way that things fade into the dark green water of the past and there's not really much you can do about that. And it's sort of the transitory nature of existence. Yeah. And, but I, I like that there's a certain duality here that, that accepting that whilst Bob not being happy about it is there's especially I like that a rock and retrograde says endure pain today and how arbitrary and that is and why I, for instance, I can't really buy into astrology and yet is sometimes there isn't a better explanation there is no explanation. So you might as well say that it's because of some rock. So the next song we'll play is called English Garden. Sitting in an English garden Fold eyes along the line to see Grazed in a 
This track is where I it really sunk in that they're very serious musicians like they're making pop music but they're trying really hard and I don't think it's they're trying too hard but here there's so many ideas being thrown out mm -hmm. where there's a banjo or either someone playing a guitar to sound a hell of a lot like a banjo mm -hmm. and strings but then these really weird syncopation and unexpected corn chord changes and all happening really rapid succession. There's a lot of song here in less than three minutes. And it leaves me feeling both uplifted and a little exhausted. Like it's a really intense, tiny little song. Yeah, I think there's so many interesting structural elements that it it ends up being less catchy that it didn't really stick with me because it was there was so much going on but it also shows how much potential they have and it sounds so different from any of the other songs on the record that it shows that they're really reaching for something and they're stretching themselves and that's always nice to see in a second album yeah i, I will say i think that chorus is pretty it grabbed me like I right. and so this song maybe stuck more with me than some other than what it might have with you. But and once again, this that chorus, which repeats with almost no lyrical overlap, like they are uh, they have more words than they can fit into these songs. Mm -hmm. And so it's again, I like the really traditional instrumentation, but then with kind of weird touches and styles and it's then followed, though, but I think the most kind of electronic sounding track on the album. It's called Mono no Aware. So 
Kamano no aware is a Japanese phrase that is tough to translate, but it roughly means the the recognition that all things are impermanent and the sort of sadness that goes along with that. And the end of the song, the last lyrics are, it reminds me of my failing grasp of the present, memory, self, and past. And I feel like that ties really all of the themes of the album together of recognizing impermanence and time moving on and the past fading away from us and how fate plays into that. Yeah, it's it's a real light subject matter, <laughs> but handled with such grace and such joy. <laughs> like these, the it's very produced, but it doesn't feel overproduced. Like there's this lovely kind of ominous buzzing synth, you know, bass tones that uh, maybe a string generated it, but it's so processed that it feels fake and arpeggiator in there and these different buzzing sounds. And yet it ends up being triumphant song about the impermanence of all things and pro and this song about, you know, processing a rough childhood and your grandparents getting Alzheimer's and all these fairly dark things. And yet, and the and the, your own mortality it's like this will be here even if you die and it'll be here even if i die and like the world still has meaning away from whatever solipsistic take we might have on it and so it's a lot of real heavy stuff in rapid succession and yet it it's such a good list it's yeah, it's really beautiful, and it, it's got the the electronic elements where it almost sounds like her voice is a little bit auto-tuned in parts, I think don't take away from it, and they're a very still having an organic feel, and it reminds me a little bit of John Vanderslice has his tiny telephone studios here in the Bay Area, and it's all these sort of old analog electronic equipment that... I mean, when I say analog electronic, these sort of old timey electronic items that have a real organic feel. And that's how I felt with the sound this this song sounded. Yeah, it's uh, a triumph is maybe a strong word, but uh, I'm a huge fan. Might be my favorite song on the album for sure. And I think this is a very Seattle story is that Mike Vernon Davis produced this album and he's worked with Modest Mouse and other folks in in Seattle and he's pretty well known and they said in an interview that he had shown the song to Chris Walla from Death Cab and they said Chris Walla said he really likes it but he thinks it needs another chorus and we all go well if Chris Walla said it needs another chorus then we better add one and so Mike and I spent eight hours rearranging the end adding that weird bridge and segueing into this big chorus solely because he suggested that and it made a massive difference I think it was a good comment because it's a, good, a great song. Yeah, and that's the the joys of collaboration that, you know, I'm sure the song would have been a good song, but I feel like it it went from a good song to a great song with those changes. So the next song we'll play is called Bloom.
this song is so such a positive take as we come into the middle of the album just a wonderful hey cut yourself some slack message and delivered with such verve and again such variety musically that we hear there where it's this real twangy country verse and then a chorus with weird processed vocals Mm -hmm. building to this triumphant conclusion then it weirdly shifts gear the tempo goes way down but the song isn't over we then have another minute and a half or two of this almost instrumental where we just hear her lovely voice going ooh with a variety of different instruments and it's really pretty and unexpected given where the song start started about cutting yourself slack some just a little slack yeah it's the I don't like a lot of processing, especially on a sound like this that is pretty natural and with someone who has such a beautiful and emotive voice. But I feel like they carry it off and it feels like it's not obtrusive or distracting. And it actually took me multiple listens before I realized how much electronic processing was going on. Yeah. And it's, I think... The contrast that they're able to play of where so many different styles are being explored within a single song and it feels completely organic and they're a special talent for these choruses that are so rousing and so satisfying and so, you know, song after song after song is delivering that with a way that is like they could just be crowd pleasing pop songwriters Mm -hmm. with that kind of hook talent and yet i think they're they're aiming for something more and it's i think mostly pretty damn successful and especially for holy this is their what second album yeah <laughs> that's some remarkable growth even as they're whining about how oh good you know I'm, my my music sucks but then i remember that or i mean it's implied because uh you know, and then i remember that tom petty wrote his best songs when he was 39 <laughs> like it's okay for me not to have perfected my songwriting yeah so the next one we'll play is called rosalie the path in her brain gets rewarded again Where it hardens and strengthens in a looping refrain And my specters of the past reveal themselves against her will To slide into this moment alive again song where we played the beginning and it starts out as one thing and then morphs into almost a completely different song but it's the same melody and same chorus but just a very different production treatment and I like the way that they do that throughout this because it kind of shows you how the song is made when you can see how how the different layers of instruments and other things change the sound of it yeah and it's almost 
I'd say it's almost appropriate here for the subject matter because there's this kind of more traditional instrumentation and it kind of fades out and then this weird spoken interlude it's like okay here we go and then suddenly it gets way faster and more modern and you know it's a, i guess based on someone who is old and maybe suffering dementia and mm -hmm. how the past becomes this thing that torments her mm -hmm. and it's so unrelentingly sad in its subject matter and lyrics and yet it Such has this yeah it's yeah. propulsive energy to it and uh, it's a real bummer but mm -hmm. it's also very catchy then the next song we'll play which is the penultimate track is also a real bummer and it's apparently based on one of the band members real life story of their grandparents having this acrimonious divorce that echoed through you know the the generations and it's called split up the kids was my favorite song on this record but actually it's this one because there's so much going on and it was really tough to choose a portion of the song to play that was just the beginning and then it really you know like many of these songs changes over the course of the song and there, there's a piano that comes in and just some synth drones in the background that really add a lot of texture and feeling and it's it's just a remarkable song especially knowing that it's based on a real history and and you get the sense that this sort of ties together the 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 themes in this record with somebody who really can't let go of the past you know we're talking about forgetting the past and letting the past slip away into the dark green water and this is a family that the past just always will drag them down like an anchor yeah and it's based around the heartbreaking image of i guess whoever this whose family this was this was that she never saw her grandparents together 
yeah. a- until one of them was dead. Yeah, I believe it was Pat Goodwin. And, and that, so that's that what is... one of the verses about is about is how at, at holidays and stuff, this was his, I believe his father's parents, and they'd have grandma and her new husband come over, and then they'd leave, and then grandpa would come over, and they would just never be in the same room together. Yeah, that, yeah. They, so this first, yeah, this, so it's sort of the first verse about the break. And it's a wonderfully told story because the first verse about the breakup and then the second verse about that kind of a holiday where, oh, no, she came too soon. And it's a real friction point because mm-hmm. they can never be in the same place at the same time. Yeah. While one of them is alive, while they're yeah. both alive. And then the final verse is, well, no, one of them is dead. So they can be in the same place again. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's heartbreaking. And it, I, it is emotionally so affecting. It doesn't have this, this sort of virtuosic stuff that I so like on a lot of this album. But for sheer emotional gut punch, it's it's hard to beat, even if I feel like I kind of want to curl up in a ball in the corner <laughs> after listening to it. But it's great, though. Yeah. And the entire album is that. The, the album is musically beautiful, lyrically dense, em- emotional gut punch, song after song after song. It's... If it if so much of it weren't so catchy, it would be, I think, almost too much to take. But it's so well so well done. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this band now that they're in geographically distinct locations. I think one of them was in nursing school, and that's why she and her husband ultimately moved back to the Midwest. But whether they come home or not will be interesting to yeah, see because it's such a the the songs are so emotionally tight like there's so much invested in each of these songs and it feels like they're people who have known each other for a long time and can really trust each other in the songwriting and in investing their vocalist with these stories that she's able to carry forward so i guess i did read that the lead singer was thinking of moving out there as Mm. well so at least having the lead singer and the vocal or the lead singer and the lead songwriter together maybe will lead to different but it's hard hard to imagine better songs than this the song that we'll go out with is called Mostly Here. And I believe this was a song that had been earlier, written earlier, and they repurposed again on this new record, but it's really lovely. And so we'll go out with that. We've been discussing the Great Grandpa record, Four of Arrows, and you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks so much for listening. Hey.